to the Brazos Point living room. We are back together, the three amigos. We've got Michelle Masterson. Yes. Is here. <laughs> we got Speedy Gonzalez, Randy Doe. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Wow. <laughs> My character is not a thing anymore. Uh, and myself. I'm not. Like, when you I get, wasn't. Uh, it wasn't when you slide. get beat, you get beat. And you own it like a man. I wasn't making a joke. Like a, Michelle a made slow, a middle-aged man. Uh, as the saying goes um yeah we're back together again we are continuing our message series walking through the gospel of john and this week we're on john chapter 11 and there's there's a lot of good stuff in here and this conversation corresponds with the questions that are in your message notes (laughs) it does (laughs) i never knew that it does uh okay so first question you guys what is a topic or subject no matter how many times it's explained to you is still hard to understand. <laughs> I don't even have to think about this one. What my friends do in the chemical plants. <laughs> that was my second answer. I genuinely care, y'all, and I want to know, and it doesn't matter how many times they explain it, I can't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I can't get it. I don't understand why I can't go to there and see it. Oh, I get that very well. It's a, it's a safety issue. You do not belong in there. I at least want to go to Jeff. Well, that's true. I at least want to, like, I can't see Jeff's office. That really bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I need to be able to picture people where they are. Yeah. Mm. Um, mine is, uh, uh, what are they called? NFTs? <laughs> NFTs? Bitcoin, non-fungible tokens? For all that stuff. Bitcoin? Is what does that have to do with NFTs? That's not an NFT? Mm, they're somewhat semi-related. They're different. Well, see, I don't understand. NFTs. That's the little non-fungible tokens. No NFCs. Oh, has Randy been explaining these things to you? No, no. I just I got my NFTs mixed up with my NFCs, but you don't seem to understand NFCs either. (laughs) For some, you talk about them a lot, but you call it the boop, booping on the because it's funny. Yeah, Eh, it's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they say about this boop instead of tap. Yeah, I don't know. I got it from Joseph. Um, boop. That's boop. funny. Boop is funny. Let okay. us know. Uh, mine is cricket. Like the, the sport. sport. Yeah, I'm, I, I would consider myself to be smart. And I also know for a fact I love sports. And I don't understand what's going on. Does cricket play with a, a, a club like polo or a, 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 a <laughs> net like on a, a pole? It's like a net a, on a pole. What? Now that's lacrosse. Lacrosse. Crickets with like it looks like, it's a, like a cutting weird, board. It's like a with <laughs> a handle. It's like a cut. It's like a paddle. Yeah. Like a yeah. Paddle. yeah. Yeah. It's a paddle. They got Does anything helmets. other than polo play with a club? It's a circle paddle. field. What's that game okay. that people play? Croquet. Cricket. Croquet. That's where I got confused. I think Randy's I think Randy probably Randy confused about everything. Athletic things. <laughs> <laughs> NFT. NFC. Uh, yeah. I just people try to explain it to me or just I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, but clearly... <laughs> Do you want to? Kind of. Do you get I mean, not feet? enough to sit down and read a rule book, but I feel like if I watch it for an amount of time, you kind of put together what's going on. I have no See, idea. that's where we differ. I really want to understand what my friends do in the plant. I care. I mean, I care about them, but golly, mm-hmm. it's a different world. It is. Michelle just wants to go. <laughs> I do. She wants to go on a field trip to I the do. chemical plant. <laughs> Take your daughter to work day. Take your wife, wife. to my office. <laughs> Whatever. Pastor. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Somebody explain to us all these things, please. Well, the reason we are talking about the things we don't understand, and I'm real excited for our groups to talk about that because I think it would be fun and funny, uh, is because today as we follow Jesus, we're going to see that there are many people who really don't understand what Jesus is doing. And not only are they going to be disappointed and maybe sad, but uh, in the midst of it all, they will just not really understand his instructions too. And yet in the end, uh, everything kind of comes into focus and becomes a little more clear. So we're in John 11. Uh, it's the story of Lazarus, if you, if you know the story. And at the very beginning, Jesus says, when he finds out that his friend Lazarus is sick, he says that the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's son may be glorified through it. So my question is, why was Lazarus sick, according to Jesus, and what do you think he meant? Well, according to Jesus, he was sick so that God could be glorified um, in the situation. And, you know, when he first says this, it is hard to really see how that can happen, what that means, but he knows what's going to happen, obviously. And so there's just so many things in there about, first, we see the power of Jesus to literally raise somebody from the dead, and that, you know, points to what he's going to do at some point in the future. And because God's glory, God's power is on display in that miracle, there's, he gets the credit for it. You know, God, that's how he's glorified through that because this is something that happened and he was like, there was no denying that Lazarus had died. You know, that it was four days later, like this wasn't some kind of trick or something like that. And this is the kind of power that I'm sure they'd never seen before. Hmm. I think that speaks to one of my favorite statements in the message, and that's that God's glory is not the enemy of God's love. Mm-hmm. I think that's a powerful thing to, to learn and to understand and to consider in this circumstance. Mm. I think it's interesting to see, you know, we're talking about them not understanding. And at this point, like, that's a, with us knowing the full story, it kind of comes into play. But imagine someone saying to Jesus, like, hey, my friend over here is sick. And he's like, hey, he's sick because so that God may be glorified. It's like, I would have a lot more questions afterwards mm-hmm. so I can understand why they were con- confused to an extent. But Jesus says uh, pretty clear that all of this is happening in order that God may be glorified. And I think it's, it's we'll, we'll see pretty clearly. Uh, so it goes on to say a few days after Jesus is told about Jesus's illness, he begins his journey to see him. Upon Jesus's arrival, those present are grieving as Lazarus has been dead for four days already, and they have lost hope that anything can be done for him. And one of the things I wanted us to talk about is in the verses I have us reading, we see that uh, two of the characters in the story, Mary and Martha, both have moments where they cry out to Jesus and they both say, uh, in verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then Mary later on says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And so they both have moments where they're saying, God, where were you? And so I want you and for us is to talk about a time where you relate to Mary and Martha's questions. God, where were you? Mine isn't as much about my own personal experience, but um, I was uh, having a conversation with somebody over the summer, a friend of mine, and she has endured an incredible amount of abuse. 
Um, she grew up in, it was foster care, but it, it was with family members. And she was, I mean, just unthinkable things that happened to her. Um, violent and invasive and just terrible. And she became a Christ follower just a couple years ago. And so hearing her story and, you know, growing up after having experienced that and continuing to experience that from the time she was a little kid until she was a teenager, um, just trying to reconcile that with, um, with God. And did he care? Did he love her? Because the really awful part of that is the people who were hurting her claimed to love God. And so she really wanted nothing to do with God. And um, anyway, just through her story, she did come um, to step over the line of faith. And she is a strong Christ follower now. And just amazing to have a conversation with. But, you know, still, she wrestles with that, like, thinking about when this specific thing was happening, God, where were you? Mm -hmm. And she believes that God was with her, but then the question comes up of, God, why didn't you stop it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I think is so powerful about both of their the sisters' statements, is it's such an authentic question that really doesn't question God's power. Mm-hmm. It actually assumes God's power and questions God's presence. Yeah. And and what I think about is walking through uh, a couple of different circumstances with friends through infant loss, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and just really struggling with that, not that God couldn't or couldn't, you know, God could have. Everyone in the situation believed God could have brought about a different outcome. It was like, where were you? Why didn't you? And that's the thing with these kinds of questions and because it's either what we want to do is go to a place where it's either God, you are powerful enough, but you're not loving or you do love us, but you're not powerful enough to intervene. And what we know to be true is that he is both, but it is still hard to understand. Hmm. Which goes back to that idea that the... The enemy of God's glory is not God's love. Mm -hmm. But that's the hard part. It's like reconciling that. Well, Mm -hmm. and we talked about that in the event of this particular story where where he did raise Lazarus from the dead. You know, that outcome did happen. But God's glory is not the enemy of God's love, even if that wasn't the outcome. Well, I think, you know, I imagine most of us can think of moments like that in our life where we've, we've felt that way. Hey, we wanted this, or this doesn't make sense. God, where were you? And I think what I'm so encouraged for our groups to talk about with this question is, this is straight from the Bible. I mean, this is right in the middle of the story. These people who are interacting with Jesus also got to this place. And I just think it's just, uh, we see their vulnerableness, and we just, this honest. Mm-hmm. They're just like... Jesus, where were you? Like, if he would not be dead if you were here. Um, and and I just think we can see ourselves in them so much in those moments. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, this isn't the answer Jesus goes with because he's compassionate and kind. But 
my guess is, uh, you know, if I was Jesus, which I'm clearly not, <laughs> I would want to say I'm where I have always been. Mm-hmm. I'm here, literally on the scene, reconciling this broken thing that mm-hmm. I've intended to rescue from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at, you know, and, and I'm here to deliver you not from physical death, but from spiritual death and to create the space for you to have eternity. But that's not what Jesus went with. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important, too, that right after this, in the midst of their grief, they're crying, they're sad, they're disappointed, and Jesus sees them. And and the shortest verse in the Bible we get is verse 35, Jesus wept. And so my question is, the shortest verse is that Jesus wept. It's also one of the most important. What is the significance of Jesus being with you in your grief? It's also one of the easiest to memorize. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Memorize. If your next step is scripture memory. I think what is so critical about this verse is the idea that that he gets us, mm-hmm. you know, that in every way, and the Bible says this, the New Testament says this, that in every way he, he can identify and understand us and that he gets us um, because that's what we see in this moment. And, and honestly, like one of the things I think about when I, I look at that simple two word verse, Jesus wept, I think about one of the songs that we sing. Um, maybe y'all can tell me which one it is, but it has a lyric where it says, uh, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. And that, those words for that lyric come right out of second Corinthians fifteen fifty five, And it says there, you know, death has lost its sting. And, and we sing that. And I, again, I'm not sure exactly which song it is, but it's a powerful one. And I, and I think through that when I sing it mm-hmm. and I think about the reality that I have experienced the sting of death, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so when I'm singing those lines, I really think through that because I want to make sure that I mean what I'm singing as I, I praise God in this. Um, but honestly, I think that it's this reality that that we can both experience the sting of death and also hold on to the hope that we have that takes the sting out of death all at the same time. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And what I love about this Jesus wept is he gets us in that in that moment he was seeing for himself the the sting of death, you know, mm-hmm. At, if not in his own experience, in Mary and Martha's. And he was with them in that both and moment where they, they feel the sting of death, but they also have the hope in Christ to know mm-hmm. that he has the power to take all the sting out of it. I always think this passage is so powerful because in this one story, in this one chunk of scripture, you see one of the most amazing displays of the divinity of Jesus, Mm -hmm. and then one of the most personal displays of the humanity of Mm -hmm. Jesus. But you know what? I wouldn't necessarily make it just about divinity and humanity, because God the Father, who is only divine and Mm -hmm. not expressed in human form, he weeps. Yeah. Right, he he hurts, he mourns, he mourns with us, and so I think it's just it's this glimpse into the heart of God. Does that make sense? I think I I feels I don't know um, as a as a follower of Jesus in the midst of grief and feeling like just walking that that line of man I know my hope is not in this but I still hurt mm-hmm. and I, like I, but I know my focus is meant to be on the future but I'm still hurting. And this passage gives me such comfort to know, like, Jesus is about to do it only. Jesus knows what he's going to do here in a moment, but he still wept with them. And I just think, I just felt so seen 
by Jesus. And I like the response of the people on the scene after they see him weep of see how much he loved him. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that's how they interpret it. Well, in the midst of their grief, Mary and Martha uh, choose to follow Jesus's instructions, even though they don't fully understand what he's up to. While they don't understand exactly what or why, they still have faith and believe that he is capable of the miraculous. So right after this, Jesus tells them, they go to the tomb where Lazarus is sin, and he says, take away the stone. And they say, Jesus, he's been in there for four days. It's, he stinketh, is what the King James <laughs> says. For real? <laughs> yeah, that's what it says. Uh, but uh, there's a bad odor. And imagine four days dying and being dead. And yet... Jesus responds to them, and he says, Did I not tell you if you believe you will see the glory of God? Again, all of this is happening for the glory of God, and so they do it. I don't know what you're doing. This doesn't make any sense to me, but I will follow your instructions. And so my next question is, has God ever led you to take a next step that you didn't fully understand at the time? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest one I'm in right now. Uh, If you couldn't tell, we don't understand anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, seriously, every, um, you know, I mean, I want everything I do to be about living for the Lord. But when I think back on my life and some of the, the what felt like biggest next steps with God that I've taken they they really didn't make sense at the time and that might have actually been why i was drawn to do some of those things i think that that's god's unique way of working in you yes like it, when it has i been. when i think about this question i feel like i should not speak in in light of how this really is god's way of working in you <laughs> no it, like literally yeah i don't know all what you're thinking of but like something will happen and before I know it, like I am off on. Well, I'm thinking like ministry positions. I'm thinking like fostering. I'm thinking like yeah, what he currently has you of. on in your education. Yeah. Like it feels like <laughs> God has this agenda for you where he constantly calls you to things that you have half of an understanding of. And I just, I don't have that experience quite the same way you yeah. do. You're an expert on this. They literally, like, like when I. I think about it the most when I have to, like, write my resume for something. I'm like, God just, like, throws things at me, and then I just do them, and they never make sense. (laughs) You must have the gift of faith. I do, actually. You must. (laughs) I don't know, Joseph, where are you at on that? Uh, I can think of several. that I mean, I felt like God was leading me to do something, and it's like, maybe it's not, I don't understand all of it. It's like, they understood what he wanted them to do, move the stone. But they're like, Why? (laughs) And I think that's what I relate to. Like, man, I, I I feel like God gives me a first step, but I don't know where this leads. Yeah, I don't know where the next five, ten steps are. Well, that's interesting because that, that exposes to me too that I am thinking more big picture, mm-hmm. big steps. Because like I even think about a pivotal point in your story that God asked you to do something that the world would have thought was crazy, you know, back in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am thinking like in terms of both of you, big deals. And and I like that you're taking the conversation that way. And maybe it's a little bit more of the minute minutiae yeah. smaller steps of yeah. life. Yeah. And I hope our groups talk about that too. Like, man, maybe you have a big story like you moved to Mali or you left AM at what sounded like the worst time financially. Or maybe or, you're like Randy and you've never done anything <laughs> <laughs> that was faith filled. Uh, but yeah, I would love for our people in our groups to think about, man, what was the time you knew one step, but you didn't know what came next? Because um, that's what the, I mean, I could imagine, right? Like, Jesus, he's dead. You really want to go in there? Like, I don't want to move this stone. 
and so at the end of this moment, we see that he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. Uh, the dead man came out, his feet, his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So my question is, in what way did Lazarus's death ultimately bring glory to God? We see the full picture here of what Jesus was actually doing. and I just had a question that I've never had before, and that's, was there anything other than grave clothes? <laughs> or is like, Lazarus on the scene? <laughs> well, I don't have the answer for you. I don't either. You. No one does. No one does. Feel free to talk about it in your small groups. So in what way did Lazarus's death ultimately bring glory to God? Um yeah, kind of back to the beginning, right? They're like, what is going on here? Right. So I think just to bring it back into terms of the the context of John, I'm working ahead a little bit on John 12, and that's coming in a couple of weeks. And what you have in that scene is Jesus is at a dinner party that Mary and Martha and Lazarus are at after Lazarus's resurrection mm-hmm. from the dead, and it's being held in Jesus's honor. And so it's like, what glory did that bring? Like, that makes me think that it's so much bigger than just this moment mm-hmm. where Lazarus walks out of the tomb. There is a life of Lazarus, Lazarus's resurrected life that follows that mm-hmm. and, and, and later at mm-hmm. dinner parties. Like, Lazarus is the guy that Jesus yeah. has called out of the tomb, and it goes beyond these Was it momentary? Yeah. It's an ongoing glory. Mm-hmm. And I, here we are still talking about it. I don't know if I envy him, though. Lazarus? Yeah. Die twice? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be nice maybe from this perspective, but imagine just being in a different place. Well, and he'd him. been dead uh-huh, for days. days. He's like, Jesus, I got a taste of heaven. What are you calling me back to this place for? <laughs> and where are my clothes? And, and where? I stink. Yeah. <laughs> I stinketh. I stinketh and I'm nakedeth. <laughs> Uh, well, I think a good parallel verse for us to think about and read through is Isaiah 55, 9. And it says, For as high as the heavens are than the earth, so are his ways higher than my ways, and his thoughts than my thoughts. And I think it's a perfect <clears throat> reminder of what's going on here. They don't understand what Jesus is doing, but he's got a plan. But the verse is a reminder that his ways are higher than my ways, and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. As high as the heavens are than the earth. So, my question is, what is the first word that comes to mind when you hear this? Well, y'all don't laugh at me, but the first word I think of is actually holy. And I'm saying don't laugh mm. at me because, you know, Sunday school answer maybe. We laugh at everything you say. But like, it really is holy because the, the understanding of the word holy is not just about sinless perfection. It's about separate and otherness. Yeah, and set-apartness. And it's just like... Man, you, you look at an experience like Isaiah 6, you know, we're here in Isaiah 55, like Isaiah 6 and Isaiah experiences the presence of God. And what is his response? It's holy, 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 right? And so in my mind, the, the word that comes to God's otherness, his separateness, his set-apartness, his distinct difference in regards to his mind and the, the infiniteness versus the limitedness of our minds is, man, he's just holy. Mm-hmm. The first word that comes to my mind is comforting. Um, I think there's comfort and freedom that comes with knowing that he's the one that mm-hmm. is sovereign. He's the one who's in charge. And 
and he's the one that has the power, but also has the redemption plan, you know, and he, he sees all of it. So it's comforting that it doesn't rest on my ways and my thoughts. But honestly, sometimes it can also be frustrating because if you're walking through something that you just don't understand why the Lord isn't doing something differently um, or answering my prayer the way I want my prayer to be answered. Um, You know, this reminder, while it is still an element of comforting, it it can also be frustrating because it can be like, I know, I know, I know your ways are higher than my ways. Help me believe that. Mm -hmm. Like, help me Mm -hmm. trust that right now. I think one of the things that's cool to me that this verse shows up in our questions this week is I cannot tell you how many times last week I quoted this verse mm-hmm. or sent people to this verse as we were talking about the previous week's message and and this idea of the security of believers and and the and what came along with that and the the conversation that comes with that of the the relationship between God's control and human freedom and and recognizing over and over again like we just need to be reminded his ways are higher than our ways and we can't actually conceive of the ways of God completely mm-hmm. right we understand and we conceive of it and we have our god concepts and we have our theologies and we have what the scriptures tell us and what the spirit has illuminated to us and even with all of that we still don't have a clear concept and understanding of the ways of God because we're not God. And we've got to remember that. We've got to always remember that. And that keeps us in this place of humility as believers, right? Not not this place where we allow ourselves, where we give ourselves license to be lazy and not to think and to study and to work and to try to understand, but keeps us in that humble position where we just go, man, I worship him and I know him, but I'm never going to be him. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think there's also an element of um, reminding yourself of what the Lord has done, like reminding yourself of what you've experienced and what you know to be true. Like Randy said, still being diligent to study and know him so that when you are struggling, you know him, like it's, it's familiar. And I was listening to a, a Tim Keller sermon the but other day. Don't do the Tim Keller The Gospel and Life podcast. Oh, yeah, we do need that, yeah. which you're on your podcast app. I highly recommend just when this is over, going and finding Gospel and Life with Tim Keller and following that because it's so good. But he was teaching on Jonah, and he was talking about all the things Jonah was going through, and um, he said... He was talking about how in the first episode of like the old Star Trek or something like that, there was a planet that they landed on and the people on this planet could make it so that they were in their mind controlling what they saw. So they would see a door where there was actually a wall and they would see a wall where there was actually a door. And so um, like in that confusion, they were doubting and they were struggling and all that. And he was like, and then they realized they had to go with what they knew. They had, instead of what they felt or could see at the time, they had to go with what they knew to be true and remember, you know, the layout of the cave or whatever it was that they were stuck in. And that, I don't know, that vision kind of, that illustration kind of stuck with me because our emotions can you know, deceive us. And sometimes we can only see the trees and not the forest, but God can see the whole thing. Hmm. And so we just have to trust and and remember what we know, not doubt in the dark what God told us in the light. And in that space of trust, what we're really clinging to is His goodness, mm-hmm. right? That, that we trust not only that He's 
present, but that he's loving and good. And loves us. Hmm. So uh, as you look back on the story of Jesus and Lazarus, it's interesting to follow the different things that Mary and Martha both felt and experienced throughout it. They first experienced worry when Lazarus was ill. Then they were filled with grief and disappointment when he died. Then they trusted Jesus' instructions, even though they didn't understand them, and they ultimately witnessed a miracle. My last question is, how do you think Mary and Martha's experience shaped their relationship with Jesus and their understanding of suffering? How were they changed, you think, moving forward? We'll come back in a couple of weeks when we <laughs> see them at a dinner party with Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and seriously, you'll see um, their reaction to Jesus and to who he is, but I'll save that for a couple of weeks from now. But like, uh, they had, they had to be forever changed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and how important is that, especially considering the timing of what's about to happen in the gospel of John, we're getting close to the cross, mm-hmm. you know, and they're about to see Jesus go to the cross. And this thing is going to go a very different direction than all the disciples thought that it was going to go, even though he kept telling them. Um, and so they, this had to, prepare them mm-hmm. because think about it jesus is going to raise from the dead and they have seen him do it mm. so if he did it for lazarus i bet he can do it for himself mm. i would also love for for our groups and for us even to think through hey here's maybe imagine how they were changed based on this interaction and seeing jesus show up but even as we talked about moments of saying god where were you and not understanding taking next steps like how have we changed you know, after have walk walk having walked through those things and seeing Jesus come through and lead us to take next steps, maybe we didn't fully understand. Like, how has that changed us? Well, and I think the that is the the journey with Jesus, right? Where like we experience these moments that strengthen our faith, and they start to stack on top of each other. You know, as a lifetime of walking with Him. And then we do we do go back to those things mm-hmm. and, and look at those as moments of the faithfulness of the Lord that help us have comfort and confidence through whatever we're going through now. Yeah. That's what I think. My initial response to how were Mary and Martha changed and how did this shape the relationship <clears throat> with Jesus is, wow, they had to be full of so much unquestionable, you know, unquestioning faith and just knowing that everything is for the best and for God's glory. But they're human, just like we are, and just like the Israelites were in every other story we see of even people who have experienced God's goodness and love and power over and over and over again still will struggle and question, you know. But now they have this story to tell themselves. Now they have this added thing in their already growing list of how they have experienced the love, goodness, and power of God. Yeah. And it's so important to have those things because inevitably there are going to be moments where life just really stinketh. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, that's all we got for today. (laughs) Don't miss next week. Don't miss next week. Oh, well, uh, I'm excited for our groups to talk about this, and I'm excited for the next few weeks in the Gospel of John. Things are uh, starting to move along, heating up. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we hope you have a good group, small group this week. And if you're not in a small group, again, we'd love to connect you to one. You can shoot us an email at smallgroups at We love you guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.